Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of the internet, to episode six of 90s DVD Rewind. This week, we're going to take a look at Disney's Hercules on recommendation from Nick and Justin. But before we get there, don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at 90rewind. That's at 90rewind. And give us a follow and a subscribe or whatever you do with podcasts on anchor.fm slash 90rewind. Um, again, this week, we're looking at Hercules. My name is Mike. I'm here with my cousins, Nick and Justin. If you're new to the podcast, what we do is um, I am appalled and ashamed that my two younger cousins, uh, 23 and 25, have not seen a variety of movies that came out in the 90s, the greatest era of movie making in, in Hollywood. So I recommend movies and I say, I think you'll guys, you guys will love these movies. Nick and Justin watch them and we come here roughly Monday evening every week to talk about them. That's where we are. Uh, again, my name is Mike. I am the uh, progenitor of the podcast, and I will turn it over. Nick, Justin, how was your weekend? My weekend was wonderful, Michael. It was very nice outside. I am taking advantage of the summer weather before the sweatshirts go on, the leaves start to turn orange and brown and crunch under your feet. I Love the winter time, but I do also enjoy going to the beach every once in a while, experiencing that nice, hot, sweaty day to where you feel really, really good uh, about playing football or whatever the case may be. And those days are not going to be happening as much as I start another job, but looking forward to football and everything else that I just mentioned. Hey, this is Justin. I had a nice weekend, um, very uneventful but enjoyable, kind of just uh, laid around, had our championship baseball game yesterday, and we got killed. We got mercyed in seven innings, um, so that's over, and we fell short, uh, but other than that, uh, the weekend was nice, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking about this great film, Hercules. All right, so this is the part where I normally give a, a brief or sometimes not so brief introduction of this week's movie. But since I did not choose the movie, and I've never seen the movie before two days ago, uh, and Nick, since this was your your push to get this movie on the list, Woo! why don't you go ahead and tell us about it? Yeah, so as always, we tell you guys to watch the movie if you haven't done so already. Find it hard to believe that not many people have seen Hercules, but Michael was one of them, so there is a possibility that you are as well. It's on Netflix, so go check it out. I think a lot of people will enjoy this movie, or maybe you'll just find it eh, just another Disney movie that you thought was decent, but not really something you're going to watch again and again. Uh, as Michael mentioned, you can check us out on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher, all the places that we want you guys to check us out as well. Hercules, we pushed for it. Michael said that, after every fifth movie, Justin and I can get one movie that we want Michael to watch. We're going to try to aim for a movie that Michael hasn't seen that we have, so then it makes the podcast a little more interesting. So, Hercules released on June 27th, 1997, directed by Ron Clements and John Musker. The duo also directed The Great Mouse Detective, The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Treasure Planet, Princess and the Frog, and Moana. I've seen all of those. 
great films. Some notable roles were James Woods as Hades. If you guys have listened to a previous podcast that we talked about Digstown, that's where this kind of spawned from because I had heard James Woods' voice kept repeating Hades over and over again in the podcast, and Michael said he had never seen Hercules, so here we are today. Danny DeVito as Philatides, Frank Welker as Pegasus, who Michael's going to do a little tidbit about that in terms of all of the great voiceover work that he has done. Megatron and Soundwave, Fred and Scooby-Doo, Curious George, Garfield, Dr. Claw, Darkseid, Ray Stance and Slimer, Two Beagle Boys, Hefty Smurf, Abu in Aladdin. Goodness, this goes on and on. <laughs> and Malabolja from Spawn. Um, yes, Frank Welker, one of the legendary uh, voice performers. You know, I, I am a big fan of the original Transformers cartoon from the 1980s. Frank Welker was Megatron. He was also Megatron in one of the newer Transformers movies. Um, not the first three, I think the fifth one when he came back. Huge, illustrious, legendary career. You know, one of the best voice performers of all time. So, of course, in this movie, he voiced Pegasus. Susan Egan played Meg after playing Belle in the Broadway version of Beauty and the Beast. And we have Rip Thorne, Bobcat, Goldwaith? Is that how you pronounce his last Gold, name? Goldwith? Goldthwaite. Goldwaite? Goldthwaite. Goldthwaite. Wayne Knight and Paul Schaefer are all part of a great voice acting cast. Gross $99 million domestically, $252 million worldwide on an $85 million production budget. Oscar nomination for the song Go the Distance. Rotten Tomatoes gated an 84 on the tomato meter. Audience score was a 76. Cinema score of an A. Michael's favorite guy in the world, Roger Ebert, gave it a three and a half out of four stars. Man, Michael, good guys giving good movies, good reviews. And as always, a little tidbit about it. It's a Disney movie with Greek mythology, big guy in Greek mythology, Zeus and Hera have a baby. His name is Hercules. And Hercules is, you know, just a little kid. Nothing to him. And he shows a little bit of what he can do, his strength. He has immortality and whatnot. And Hades, the brother of Zeus, is very jealous of what's going on up on Mount Olympus. He can't stay there. <clears throat> Goes down to talk to the fates. And he has this big plan about taking over. And the fates say, you're going to win, but... If Hercules is there, you're going to lose. So he has his two minions, Pain and Panic, try to kill Hercules. And before they do that, he is saved by a bolt of lightning, thankfully, and two strangers that show up. And the story begins to where Hercules is raised by two normal people, finding out that he is a god, has godlike strength. And the journey begins on trying to figure out where he needs to go, who he is, and how he gets back to Mount Olympus. So, guys, general thoughts of this Disney film. What'd you think? Well, I will, uh, I'll kick things off since I have not seen this movie before two days ago. Um, and I'm, I'm going to explain part of the problem here. So two, two separate events happened at the same time. Um, in roughly 1995, I was a 15-year-old boy, and Disney stopped making good movies. 
those two things came together. So there is a long string of Disney movies that I did not see in the movie theaters. Now, if you go back, Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Rescuers Down Under, Little Mermaid, Oliver and Company, Great Mouse Detective. I saw all of those in the theaters from, you know, roughly age six and on. Um, then after Lion King, we get Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan, Fantasia 2000, Dinosaur, Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Lilo and Stitch, Treasure Planet. Uh, I did not see any of those movies in the movie theater, and I had not seen any of them until two days ago when I saw the first. Um, after that, not exactly a great run. Uh, Brother Bear, I did see in the theaters on a date. That's the last Disney movie I saw in theaters for quite a while. Then Home on the Range, Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, Bolt, Princess and the Frog. Um, you know, not exactly a string of classic Disney movies. So between the two events of me growing up um, and not yet having a child of my own and Disney really starting to put out uh, not classic content, um, that's why I've never seen this movie. There's a, I have not gone back to watch these movies. I've watched all of the movies before this multiple times uh, since then, but never really got into this age of Disney cinema. Just not for me. Nothing. You know, I do want to see Mulan. That's the only one I have any real uh, urge to see. With that said, I do own them all, and I'm sure I will see them all eventually as my six-year-old son grows up and wants to see more movies. So that brings us to Hercules. Might be the time, you know, 22 years after it came out, uh, might be the acceleration and the technology advances and uh, the star-studdedness of Disney since then. But this, I did not think was a, a great movie. I didn't think it was a great story. I didn't think it had great voice work other than James Woods was fantastic as Hades. Danny DeVito was okay. Um, you know, Frank Welker was a real standout uh, voicing Pegasus, making horsey noises. But other than that, um, you know, Bobcat Goldthwaite, I thought, was very underutilized. Um, hysterical guy with the funny voice from Police Academy, the Police Academy movies. Not the original Police Academy. I think he was in the second or third was his first one, but he was a mainstay there for a while. It was weird hearing Wayne Knight, uh, who you may know as Newman from Seinfeld, and Paul Schaefer from the David Letterman show. Those were all, um, you know, I did not look at who was in this movie before I watched it. Just put it in, watched it in, in my home theater on my 10-foot screen with my son and caught those voices and thought, oh, that's cool. Um, that was about the best part of the movie, uh, if you ask me. Not a whole lot here to grab onto. Um, not a good take on the Hercules story, I don't think. Uh, I do enjoy the Hercules story in general. I, as I mentioned last week, I like mythology a lot, but this just, there wasn't a lot here. It was kind of a silly plot. I did like the character of Meg and, you know, what she introduced into it and the way Hades was using her to get to Hercules, but, you know, nothing. This was before Pixar really perfected the art of putting adult things into kid movies so adults could enjoy them too. This was just, 
again, I think James Woods did a great job, but it, it just kind of fell flat for me. It was not, not a great movie in my book. I thought Hercules was a great movie. Uh, just a few things I didn't like. I thought there was um, too much singing. And, and yes, I know, I understand it's a 90s Disney movie. And I also didn't like how short um, the battle at the end was. You know, this, you know the buildup with uh, Hades and his stories that he'll eventually take over and will be defeated by Hercules. And all that happens within a 10, 15 minute span. And, you know, that's something that's mentioned early on. And I don't know, I thought maybe we'd get closer to 20, maybe even 30 minutes of the film of, you know, of, of it being the battle of, of Hades ruling. Um, but other than that, I, I liked everything. Um, some of those things are how Hercules, you know, the movie takes you on an emo on an emotional roller coaster with you know him being a baby. He's taken by pain and panic. He almost drinks all of the the mortal formula. Ultimately, doesn't uh, you you then feel for him as he doesn't fit in as a human, and he's made fun of, and and he's told that he needs to go, and then you eventually feel happy for him as he goes from this zero to hero, and his face is everywhere. Um, it's not just about everything. You can also take away a lot from this movie, uh, specifically um, finding where you belong. And how that journey can ultimately change like what you think and how you feel. And I, I think that's powerful for a movie. You know, looking back at these other movies, like, yeah, they're great or phenomenal movies. But maybe as a person or as a kid, you know, because this is a, like, you know, an animated film. Um, you know, there, there was really nothing to take away from those other movies. But with this, like you get that story and, um, you know. And kind of like with what I've said, like you you feel it emotionally. Hades or James Woods makes this movie. He's a rather likable villain, even though ultimately he wants to take out Zeus and and rule. He's rather likable with um, how relaxed he is with with what he says and how he comes across. But he can snap at every moment or at, at any moment. I find myself uh, laughing or chuckling at any scene that he was in, just, you know, the many interactions with Pain and Panic or Meg. And I thought Phil, um, Danny DeVito was also great. And I can't be the only one who thought that Phil fit Danny DeVito perfectly. Just a short, chubby character. Yeah. Just a uh, perfect match Disney had there. Michael, I, I gotta be honest with you. For someone who's so into reading and into bigger meanings about things and all about, you know, extra stuff and, and, and looking between the lines. You know, I, I'm kind of blown away that you didn't find this movie to be at least good. Justin touched upon some points, and I'm going to get to some more in a little bit too, uh, but my overall impression, uh, this is one of Disney's best. You know, this is movie that I grew up with and maybe that gives me a little bit of bias of it and I can understand why but looking at the older movies comparing them to what I grew up with and looking at one of the newer movies I would still say Hercules is definitely in the top part of my ranking system I actually did a, a bracket a while back of Disney movies I think it was like every Disney movie just about and I believe I got Hercules up into like the top eight or top four movies um, that I was doing based on where things were slotted. 
Uh, this is a movie for all ages. You know, it's not like you're sitting there saying, oh, don't, don't watch Silence of the Lambs, no one, you know, you don't want to see that, or don't, you know, don't watch this, you know, you, you don't have to have that with these movies. And again, I know that Disney and it being G-rated is never going to be uh, an issue there. Justin touched upon it, but there's a lot of meanings that sometimes kids might not get while watching this film. And I think that really adds extra value into it because you can go back and watch it maybe with your kid or someone else. You know, and you find all these extra meanings that maybe you didn't see when you were a kid, just kind of soaking in the small little things. Um, you know, the, the when he says, you know, I can go the distance, you know, I want I can go where I need to go. And he's talking about trying to find that place, you know, where we fit in, where we belong. And, you know, Justin, you mentioned that. And that's something that a lot of people sometimes don't know, like where they want to do, what what they want to do. You know, a big question a lot of people get asked, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? You know, you're sitting there junior year of high school, you're like, oh, I got to go to college, I got to maybe go try to find a job, but what do I want to do? You know, where do I want to fit in? What do I want to do? It's a big question sometimes people ask and they don't really have that answer to it. And, you know, Hercules is going through that same thing. You know, everyone has that regardless of how strong or you know, smart, whatever the case may be. Um... A big one that really stuck to me, and maybe it's just because of the situation I, you know, I'm kind of currently in with the job search, trying to find a full-time thing, is how can I prove if I'm a hero if they don't give me a chance? We're all sitting there like, how do I prove myself if I'm never given that job interview, if I'm never given that test run, if I'm never given that opportunity to show off my skills? Everyone, whether you're, you know, playing football or you're writing a column for someone, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, you're just trying to get in. You want that chance. And it's a, it's a big question of what do you do if you're not given that chance? If you get that chance, you give it your best shot and hopefully you come out on top. But, you know, what do you do if you're not given that chance? Zero to hero is self-explanatory. You know, rags to riches, you know, anyone can start at the bottom and work their way up if they're willing to put hard work into it. And you see that with Hercules as he goes through the training with Phil. He goes from this kid that doesn't really know what he's doing with his strength. He, he destroys um, that building at the very beginning before he realizes that he's a god. And then with Phil later on, you see that he's been properly trained. He understands how to use his strength. He understands how to do more so the right thing uh, when it comes to how to work uh, with what he has. Uh, another big thing that a lot of people sometimes miss out on uh, is at the end when Phil leaves um, to go try to get back on the boat. I think this is another big moment that sometimes people miss is Phil never was in for himself. Phil wanted to do the best for Hercules. And sometimes people out there, you know, really miss, miss on that. You know, I'm not interested on benefiting off of you. I just want to do the best for you. And sometimes there are people out there that really are just having it. Your, their best interest is you. Not what they want, but it's really making sure that you can be put in the best place forward. And what it means to be a true hero. You know, you really figure out what it means to be a true hero. When Hercules knows I have no godlike strength, I know I could die, I know that I screwed this thing up, I was the one that put all these people in danger, he goes out there and he fights that titan and it shows what it means to be a true hero to really put your life on the line. And then at the very end of the film, you see him choose Meg over going to live on Mount Olympus. And it was the journey that showed Hercules that what he thought he wanted wasn't really there. You know, he wanted at the very beginning when he sings the song can go the distance. He says, you know, 
I had often dreamed of a far-off place where there's a great warm welcome waiting for me. The crowds would cheer when they see my face. And that's literally what happens when he lands on Mount Olympus. He is welcomed by his mother and father. Every one of the gods is cheering his name. They're so happy that he saved the day. And he's like, even though this is what I thought I wanted, it's not what I want. And that's sometimes the reality of life is you think that you want something. And when you go through the journey and you get to that point, you really discover it's not what I wanted. And all of those big moments, I, I just think it's it's crazy to find out that not any of that picked up with you, Michael. I'm kind of blown away by that. I will say, Justin, I agree with you. I wish it was a tad longer. I thought there were certain parts that were maybe rushed. I think the movie's only, what, an hour and a half? I mean, if you really cut down the credits out of it, you know, we're talking about, what, maybe an hour and 20, an hour and 15 minutes? So I wish there were certain parts that were added on to there, but o- overall, I mean, this is one of the greats. For me, especially for Disney, this is this is one of the greats. Uh, you know, James Woods' is Hades is amazing. Danny DeVito's Philatides is amazing. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to what to say, Michael. I mean, I can't sit there and say that Disney automatically gives it a certain credibility, but just to say that it's not good uh, is kind of you know blasphemous, in my opinion. It was just yeah, it was just another kids movie that came out in the nineties, a forgettable but, eh, and not good to me aren't the same. You know what I mean? Well, eh, I, I mean you're taking not good as, as meaning bad. Not good just means it's not good. It's eh. It's meh. It's just, to me, it's just another kid's movie. The the different um, lessons that, that you guys have talked about, I mean, you you could find those in any kid's movie. They're all forgettable. This is a movie, if I had seen it when I was a kid, I, it would not have been one that was on my list of, oh, I, I have to show this one to my six-year-old. You know, I've, I've got a for, big list It's forgettable. It's forgettable when he sits there and he's in, quote unquote, Thebes, which is really New York City, saying, how can I prove if I'm a hero if they don't give me a chance? That's literally everyone out there. Like, how can I prove myself if this job application never gets accepted, if that interview never okay, gets landed? But every kid's show has that. I mean, that's a that's a every theme. Kid's show you can go has back that. and watch every kid's show from the 80s and 90s, and you're going to find that theme somewhere or another. It's It's not a new theme. It's not uncharted ground that they covered here it's just another take on it and it's a forgettable one i don't know i just don't know but what i do know is that it's time for best performance justin what you got for me man best performance who gave the best voice actor this one's too easy way too easy hades james woods like I mentioned earlier, he's a very likable villain. He's very relaxed for most of the time, but you know can snap at any moment. Interactions with pain and panic are awesome. Even you know conversation with Meg is great, and even when he talks to the gods, um, Zeus or Hercules, it's just um, it's it's quite comical to me how he puts his arm around them and talks to them like they're like their buddies, but you know, event, you know, at, at the end of the day, he's trying to get something out of it, trying to get information or ultimately uh, to be the guy, to be the ruler. And 
outside of Danny DeVito, I don't think anyone, any character or any actor or actress comes close. Like, obviously, you know, Hercules, you know, I, I love Hercules. Meg was great as well. You know, I did mention uh, Danny DeVito with Phil, but James Woods, um, Hades makes Hercules for me. All right. All right. Um, I, I, listen, I, I'm with you, Justin. I think James Woods did a phenomenal job, and it really is down to him and Danny DeVito. And I lean to Danny DeVito Ooh. on this one. I, I, I love the character of Phil. I just think it's so genuine. You know, when Herc first shows up to the island and, you know, Phil doesn't want anything to do with him, and he shows him his strength, and all of a sudden Phil's going back inside, and he's like, he's like, haven't you ever had a dream? You know, where like you truly wanted something. You sit there and you see on, you know, Phil's face that he's thinking like how he's let all these people down, how he's tried to make the greatest hero when he wasn't able to do enough. And he feels like it's his fault. You know, he feels like he wasn't able to really go uh, the distance. And throughout the film, you, you just see it, how genuine Phil is, how it's not about the riches, how it's not about all the fame. It's really about giving Hercules every tool he needs to be successful, to become that true hero. And that's really what I love uh, about Phil's character. And Danny DeVito just does a phenomenal job. And like you said, Justin, I mean, is there a better character than, you know, how this little chubby guy is Danny DeVito, right? I mean, come on, look at Phil, look at Danny DeVito. Almost like the same person. Yeah. It's Danny DeVito. It's the same guy. I'll, uh, I'll agree with Justin. It's a hundred percent James Woods here. Um, Danny DeVito. I like Danny DeVito. I don't love Danny DeVito. Um, I like him as far back as taxi. He was great in twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I have not seen, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I started to watch the first season and didn't like it. So dropped it. I've been told many times I have to continue watching into the second season when Danny DeVito shows up, but, I've not had an opportunity to do that yet. Um, so, I mean, Danny Danny DeVito was okay. He was very Danny DeVito-ish. Um, but James Woods stole the show. He's so slimy and smarmy. And, I mean, he was he, he played the role. I don't, I don't even know that he played the role perfectly because that's not how I would envision Hades. Um, but he certainly took the role and made it his own and maybe turned it into something that it wasn't originally or or maybe they wrote it for James Woods and and this is exactly what they wanted but um he was almost perfect in his role um almost perfect he like i said come came across very very slimy um came across you know as a tremendous backstabber schemer plotter um he he brought the character to life certainly i did not like the way the hades character was drawn um i did not like a lot of the facial expressions um i think it it would have been better served if hades looked more like james woods sort of like how they make thanos look like uh uh, what's the guy's name? Brolin? I don't know who plays Thanos. <laughs> um, how do you not know who plays Thanos? I I don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Josh Brolin. Um, so, you know, Thanos's facial expressions and, and the way he talks and all that is, is, you know, it was animatronically taken from 
Josh Brolin. Obviously, they couldn't do that in 1997 without significantly more expense. But I thought if that character, you know, it was James Woods. So why not make it look a little bit more like James Woods? Um, it didn't certainly didn't look like the other gods, you know, had a weird look and his head flamed up on fire. And sometimes the fire was red and sometimes it was purplish blue. Um, but I, I have to go with James Woods here. He's, he's the, the only memorable <laughs> performance in the movie at all. So you guys both picked James Woods. So I want to ask, we had watched Digstown, which James Woods did you like better? The the Digstown actual uh, James Woods or the voice actor of Hades in Hercules? I'm Digstown 100%. Okay. Yeah, it's tough not to say Digstown, um, and I don't even think it's a comparison given, um, you know, there's more to Digstown and James Woods than just it's his voice. You know, it's him, um, you know, it's him acting and, and talking and, you know, he's in, you know, he has these different relationships with people, whereas, you know, in Hercules as Hades, you know, it's just his voice and um, he can be depicted in any way, just given it's his voice. So um, as much as I did like him in Hercules, I, I've had, I'm, I'm with Michael um, Digstown. Digstown was one of the movies we watched previously. So check that out on the Apple podcast. Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, Anchor. That's where we record. Justin, you're going to give it to us. Today in the 90s, all right, what do you have for us around this time frame in the 90s? I have one thing, Ooh. and hopefully Michael one can elaborate, thing. can get into it a little bit. On August 3rd, 1992, Unforgiven, a movie on our list, directed by Clint Eastwood and starring Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, and Morgan Freeman, premiered in Los Angeles and eventually won an Academy Award for Best Picture in 93. I came across this event, uh, did a quick Google search, read up on the movie a little bit, um, was very excited uh, to see that this is a movie and to see this cast and then went to our list on our Google sheet and saw this was a movie. And um, I'm looking forward to watching this film. Unforgiven is fantastic. Uh, it won four Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Actor, in a supporting role for Gene Hackman, Best Director for Clint Eastwood, and Best Film Editing. Um, absolutely fantastic movie. It's on our list for a reason. Um, Unforgiven kind of ushered in a new wave of Westerns. There had been, had not been a lot of serious Westerns in the last five to 10 years before this. Obviously Clint Eastwood was in a lot of serious Westerns in, in late sixties and seven, or I think most of the sixties and the seventies kind of fell out of favor in the eighties. He was doing dirty Harry. Um, not a whole lot of serious Western movies at that time. There were a few comedic Western movies, um, one starring Kevin Costner. Uh, let me see what the name of that movie was. I always, I always forget it offhand. Um, we'll come back to that. But uh, this brought back and ushered in a new wave. We had Tombstone a year later. We had Wyatt Earp a year after that, another Kevin Costner Western. 
Um, and then, you know, there's been a string of Westerns since then. It seems like there's a pretty decent one every year or two in the roughly 15 years since. Uh, so I loved Unforgiven for the movie itself. Clint Eastwood's performance was fantastic. Um, and also what it did for the Western genre, bringing it back because Westerns probably are my favorite genre of movies overall. And that is all I have for today in the 90s. All right. So that is going to do it for the first part of this podcast. We're going to be right back for best scene, funniest scene, sports interlude, and what is going to be next week's movie. You know, we know that Michael has now taken back the reins, so we're going to see where he drives the bus. You are listening to 90s DVD Rewind. You are listening to 90s DVD Rewind. We welcome you back. Hope you guys are having a good time. Want you to slam that like button on Twitter. Give us five stars and subscribe wherever you're listening. Anchor is the place to go. If not there, head on over to Apple Podcast, Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast. Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, or Stitcher. Want to give a shout out to all the returning listeners. Thank you guys for following along, watching some great movies as we continue this great journey. And for anyone that's new to the podcast, we welcome you guys. Hoping to get some interaction on Twitter. Michael's really big on interacting with the fans on Twitter. So hit us up there at 90 Rewind on Twitter. All right. That's at 90 Rewind. We are now on to best scene. Hercules, the best scene of Hercules. Justin, start us off. For best scene, I went with when Hercules destroys uh, the market or the structure with the columns, whatever you want to call it. You know, he shows, um, that scene shows how strong he is and how he's not able to control his strength. You have the moment where the group of teenagers are throwing disc around um, comes to his feet he tries to get involved and teenagers want no part of them take their disc back walk away from Hercules one of them refers to him as Jercules and then he causes mass destruction you know wipes out that market or you know that structure and is told that he doesn't belong and he needs to go. And that moment, you know, that scene is really the last straw for him. And it leads him to leave his family after he's told, you know, where he came from, how he was found. And it leads to him um, taking that journey to, you know, his father's temple, the temple of Zeus. To me, that's the best scene because that's kind of how the whole movie gets started with him you know, being this freak because he's still a god. And, you know, I was, you know, I, I know it's a, you know, it's a kid's movie, it's a movie, whatever, but, you know, he doesn't make that journey and he continues to just sulk and be this, you know, this human that's actually a god. I mean, you know, you don't get anywhere. So that was my best scene. I do have a best scene from this movie. There, there were a few scenes I liked and enjoyed. Um, the one I enjoyed the most was... After Hades is, is failing in his plot to divert Hercules from his destiny as Hercules is attempting to become a hero 
And he turns around to talk to Pain and Panic. And uh, I believe Pain was the one wearing Hercules branded sandals. And Panic was drinking from a Hercules commemorative cup. And Hades just loses it and, and goes bananas, screaming at them, you know, <laughs> This guy is foiling my plans to take over Mount Olympus. And how can you be wearing his merch? And then from there, he's kind of thinking, okay, I have to rethink how I go about thwarting Hercules from becoming a hero. Meg says to him, you know, he's hitting all the curveballs that you're throwing at him. And Hades says, maybe I haven't been throwing the right curves at him, Meg, my sweet. Um, of course, referring to Megan's womanly curves. He, you know, he mentions everyone has a weakness. And this is where it's revealed that Meg sold her soul to Hades to save her boyfriend, who then promptly dumped her for another woman. That scene to me, that was the best scene in the movie, the really only poignant scene. We finally, you know, revealed, okay, why is Meg working for Hades in in some form or fashion? And then, you know, when he, when he talks about maybe I haven't been throwing the right curves at him. That was just hysterical and and classic uh, slimy James Woods at that point. So that was my favorite scene. It was one of the few I enjoyed. Okay. All right. That that is a good one. That that is a good one. Um, my favorite scene uh is when after getting struck by lightning, Phil ends up training Hercules. And he's going through all of uh, the song, going through all the rules with Herc. And you're seeing how, you know, he's completely failing. You know, he's making an absolute mess. He doesn't really know how to control his strength, how to balance himself out. The doll that he keeps trying to save keeps getting, you know, destroyed or killed. So, you know, I guess would be the correct way of pointing because he's trying to save this individual you know damsel in distress and every time he's just completely failing and he's he's trying his hardest and phil is just getting completely frustrated but as you you go through the the nights and the days and you know it, it, it's really you know years of training that phil goes with hercules you start to see that he's slowly but surely starting to pick up on what phil is saying and he's starting to actually get this hero stuff down. Um, you know, a big part of that is when he's, you know, trying to figure out how to throw all the swords at once at the targets. You know, he misses everything and feels like, you know, it's like painting a masterpiece. It's a work of heart. You know, it's all about what's inside of you to really get that. And then it's a turning point and Herc starts to show that he can do it. And at the very end of it, he goes through all of uh, the giant, slicing I don't know what you would call this there's a specific name for that I don't know why halberd is definitely not what it is because that's a weapon it's not something that hangs from the ceiling and slices you uh that giant metal trap the fire hoop the two sharks and he saves uh you know the doll and then takes a sword and throws it around like a boomerang cuts off all the heads of the dummies and then uses the shield to save all the arrows to make an H for Hercules and it shows that okay here we go he's ready now 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 the true test begins. Training is done with now. You know, kid gloves come off and it's for the real deal. I, that was my favorite scene of the film. Um, Michael, you, you, you stole my favorite scene, man. You, you know, you know in, in terms of funny, it's, you stole it from me. That was my funny scene when Hades is throwing everything that he's got 
at Hercules and nothing's working. Um, and I, I will say before I continue on that, I loved all of the, I guess they're Easter eggs. I don't know what you would call them, but there are little things throughout the film that you can pick up on and that's where they got that from. You know, when he's training, they do the karate kid, the crane kick. Uh, the Air Hercs are based off of Jordan because it was 97 and Jordan was, you know, in the midst of doing his three-peat uh, again for the Bulls. You have all of the, the drinks and all of the other things that Herc was doing. Um, the Thebes reference, obviously they call it the Big Olive when really it's just New York being the Big Apple and all the problems they have and people, you know, driving by, not really paying attention to people walking in the streets. But in terms of the Air Herc scene with pain and panic and the drink, I just think it's hilarious to where Hades is freaking out. He's destroying all of those uh, vases that have Hercules' face on it. And all of a sudden you just hear this this squeaking noise and Hades just comes to a stop. His jaws open. He looks down. He's like, what are those? And I have to say, Michael, I don't know how up uh, in social media, you know, you are, but people were going around filming saying, what are those? And it would be like Crocs or sandals or weird looking shoes. I'm pretty sure Hades created that. He was the first one to say, what are those? In reference to uh, Payne wearing the uh, sneakers. And then obviously Panic is drinking the soda and he's like, thirsty? It's great. I, I thought that was hilarious. I'm right with you, Nick, as far as funniest scene went. There's really nothing more I can say as far as that scene goes. But if you're a parent and you're watching this film with your child, you know, right when they enter the the city, the Big Olive, as Phil uh, refers to it as, a man opens up his robe <laughs> as he's unveiling himself to Hercules and, and, and his crew and is ultimately selling sundials. I, I feel like if, if, um, if, if I was a parent, my heart would stop for that moment. Um, and obviously, you know, it's a kid's movie. What are they going to show? But it's pretty funny. I mean, me, me, me seeing that in that moment was, was hysterical. And to, to clarify that for the audience, there's a, a part in the movie where there's just a random guy with a trench coat on who jumps out in front of Hercules uh, with his back to the camera and opens up his trench coat like a, a flasher would. Um, but of course, he is not a flasher. He is just selling uh, sundials in, in lieu of watches. So he's selling rip-off cheap sundials instead of rip-off cheap fake look Rolexes. While it was my best scene, it was not my funniest scene. I think the funniest part of the movie was Pegasus's jealousy over Meg. Oh, when okay. Hercules and Meg first meet, uh, and Hercules is clearly enamored with Meg, Pegasus, his male flying horse, is extraordinarily jealous of Meg um, to the point where when Hercules and Meg go off on their own, Phil and Pegasus are out trying to find them and, and find them with a spotlight. And, it, and when you see the spotlight, it's Pegasus flying up in the air with Phil on his back. And Pegasus has a little, it almost looks like a birdhouse with one side open on his head with a candle in it. 
uh, and a mirror. So, so that is what's creating the spotlight. It's a, a little wooden hut with a mirror in it uh, and a candle. Like a helicopter. Yes, and he's flying in a, in a helicopter-like fashion. Um, but that, to me, was the funniest. Pegasus's pangs of jealousy perfectly played, um, as mentioned earlier, by the greatest voice actor of all time, Mr. Frank Welker. Um, that, to me, was the funniest scene of the movie. Offhand, how many of i mean would you call this easter eggs michael you know like kind of like the the police with the helicopter thing you know the uh the crane kick the thebes being the big you know, big olive you know referencing the big apple and the sundials thing and the rolex like how many of those were in hercules like 10 15 20 i was trying to look it up and i couldn't really find a a solid number of that but there were a, a good amount of references you know real life references that were taking place um, throughout the film. And there are also, um, you know, a reference to uh, another great Disney film in The Lion King to where Hercules is posing for a picture and he's wearing Scar um, as the outfit for the painter. I did see that, yes. But I'm trying to remember, like, you know, if there, how many, you know, like 10, 15. Well, we, we definitely caught the Karate Kid one. Yeah. Because um, my, my six-year-old said, that's from the Karate Kid when they're, doing the crane kick there there were a lot um for the record my six-year-old uh when we watched it on saturday you know we watched it at about his bedtime so he was up a little late he did not fall asleep he seemed to enjoy it during the movie and i asked him afterwards you know as i'm putting him to bed what'd you think of the movie and he goes eh, it was good um when i re-asked him today two days later before we uh, sat down to record our podcast, his his response was, I don't think I really liked it. So uh, apparently you have to be between the ages of 8 and 25 to enjoy this movie. Woohoo! Um, that's kind of its uh, its sweet spot, I guess. Well, you know, Michael, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing that you got two opinions, an immediate opinion and then a two-day-later opinion. Uh, Opinion on that's right. That. Gives as as Justin knows when you take more time to absorb and think about it, more things come to you. Mm -hmm. Your your opinion becomes more informed and shaped, or more freaked out you get if so, it's the Silence of the Lambs and you have to sit on that for six days. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Have you continued to think about Silence of the Lambs every day since we recorded? No, yeah, no, it's been out of my mind. Um, I'm past it. As as a podcaster, as a movie critic, um. There are many more films out there that I need to watch and analyze. So um, I'm going to put it in my back pocket and uh, we're going to move forward. Michael, right. I think about Silence of the Lambs and how I was so generous in giving it a two. Generous. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're crazy. Listen, it, doesn't bother, it doesn't bother me that you have no taste in movies. I mean. Taste. That's, your, that's mm, for you, pal. Interesting word. Interesting descriptor. I don't. I am not the type of person that's going to try and change other people's opinions. Um, whatever what you think is what you think, and you know if it's horribly wrong, that's okay. We'll all just move on. At least Justin has good taste in movies. I'm I mean, not sure how an opinion know. can be wrong, but we'll leave that for the audience to decide. Time for sports interlude. I don't know, guys. There really wasn't much that was going on in the sports world. I, I mean, I guess I could 
say that Vince Carter is coming back at age 42 to play in his final season for the Hawks, and Tom Brady at 42 is trying to lead the Patriots back to the playoffs. Or if you want to talk about J.J. Watt breaking a bicycle as he was getting ready for Texans practice, I, I didn't really see anything that kind of jumped out at anything, you know, at, at me. You know, did you guys pick up anything in the sports world? It's just kind of like we're getting ready for the final push for the baseball season. Anything? I, I couldn't find anything. The football is coming. Well, uh, yeah, few few people went into the Hall of Fame yes. over the weekend. Um, Ed Reed, mm-hmm. Tony Gonzalez, Ty back, Law, by the way, which is great. Football is back, even though we've only had a silly preseason game. And um, you know, we I know we kind of talked about it with the uh, with, with the trade deadline and and guys that were dealt. But uh, you know, this is kind of the final stretch uh, for baseball. You see how tight um, division races are, wild card races are. It should be an entertaining, um, I guess, like last third of the season. Let me ask you, Michael. What's the? Uh, I know it's only been a couple of games. But what's the immediate impression of the Trevor Bauer swap for? Uh, I can't remember the other guy's name in Puig. What what are, what do the people think? Uh, Reyes. Yeah. Reyes. What do the people think? Uh, people in Cleveland seem to be okay with it. They think it's a it's a good long term move, which it probably is. Um, you know, Puig has probably worn out his welcome other places, so maybe they think, hey, we can get you know a pretty decent bat to stay here if he enjoys his final couple months in Cleveland. Um, you know, that's kind of the sense I got from it. I don't think um, with the Astros. And their acquisitions, you know, they acquired Aaron Sanchez from the Blue Jays, who is a very solid pitcher who's had a, a down year, year and a half. He's had blister problems uh, in Toronto. Um, if he can get in shape, and usually when the Astros trade for a pitcher, it means they think they can get that pitcher in shape, um, he could be a stud. And then, of course, um, uh, who's the big arm they got? Granky. God, his name just went right out of my head. Zach Granke. Zach Granke. Yeah, um, you know he's going to be a, a, a very difficult assignment come postseason time. Um, so I, I think a lot of the Cleveland fans I know have pretty much resigned themselves to not being able to beat the Astros this year. Um, everybody's pretty confident they'll make the playoffs. I do hope they they do make the playoffs. If they make a wild card, I will certainly be at that game. Uh, if it's here, that is. Um, if they make it into the first round, I'll, I'll probably be at one of those games too. Hopefully we have more than one, um, but not, not a lot of confidence they're going to be able to best the Houston Astros in a seven-game series this year. The Los Angeles Dodgers hold the best record in baseball as of this podcast being recorded, 74-40, and 40, and the overall record of the Cleveland Indians is 66-45. and 45. That is fifth best in the majors. Michael, you had a really good team out there. You just got to hope that with the way that the division is structured, the Twins being three games up right now, uh, looking at the wild card, holding that top spot up two games. You get in, something happens, who knows, but I agree with you 100%. It is very difficult to find a team in the entire league that's going to be able to beat the Houston Astros when the batting is fully healthy and that pitching staff is just too, too much. Too, yeah. too much. And, and I mean, Tur- Cleveland has 
two pitchers on the IL, uh, hopefully coming back. We got Cookie Carrasco, um, and we got Corey Kluber, Klubot. Um, you know, without them, I mean, who knows what they're going to do? I think every, I think the trade of Bauer was, hey, we got Kluber coming back, so that's like a pickup at the deadline for us. But I mean, he hasn't been effective for the last year, so who knows how that's going to go. Um, the other problem that Cleveland faces, you know, looking up at Minnesota three games back, Minnesota has a whole lot more games against the division, you know, the White Sox, Kansas City, and the Tigers, uh, who are all terrible. I think Minnesota has something like eight more games against those teams oh. in the second half, so so Cleveland's got a, a much more difficult schedule. Cle- Minnesota has eight more games against those teams than Cleveland does. Cleveland's uh, schedule was was front loaded with those bad teams. That's why they've been able to make up so much ground since June first because they've been playing those terrible teams over and over again. But that's at an end, and and Cleveland's got a much rougher road for the end of the season. Um, you know, it's going to depend on on whether they can get their pitchers back in good form. Baseball, October baseball, it's it's it's, it's always good. It's always good. I love baseball and. Uh, postseason schedule came out, so they're going to keep October baseball in October. I believe the NL wild card will kick things off on October 1st. And if Game 7 of the World Series is necessary, it'll be on October 30th. So everything's going to be kept within October as long as there's no rain delays or anything crazy going on uh, during that month for wherever those two teams are playing. But if I had to be... Uh, taking a guess, I don't think there's going to be any bad weather in Houston or Los Angeles when the Dodgers and the uh, Astros square off against one another. Just any final thoughts on baseball before we end the sports interlude? It's chalk, but I'm with you as far as the World Series matchup goes. I just don't think any other team, you know, could beat those teams in the divisional, you know, five game series or, you know, league championship series seven game. They're just too loaded, um, you know, with their staffs, and, you know, they obviously have phenomenal players in the field. All right, so that's going to do it for our sports interlude. We are coming now to a close. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to 90s DVD Rewind. You are listening to 90s DVD Rewind. We want you guys to head on over to Twitter and follow us there. Got a lot of great content on the Tweetster when it comes to our former episodes. There are five of them out right now. Take a listen to Silence of the Lambs. We have Digstown. We have White Man Can't Jump. True Romance. Twelve Monkeys. Apple Podcast, Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, and obviously Anchor are the places that you can listen to us. But hit that subscribe button. Give us five stars. Tell us how great of a job we are doing. Give us any suggestions on what movies you would like us to rewind next that are within the 90s time frame. Maybe we'll be able to put that on our list. I think it would be a great edition there so here we go our final thoughts and rating of the film michael you hadn't seen this movie so i'm excited and interested to hear what you have to say let her rip i had not seen this movie before two days ago came out when i was 16 17 years old back in 1997 not a movie 
I really wanted to see, but it was a movie I intended to see. So at the very least, we have a successful weekend in that I knocked off one of the bad movies that I had to watch. I feel like this is kind of like, um, you know, I want to read a biography of every U.S. president. And you get to a point where there's just um, nothing good. There, there's just nothing good. If you, you know, you start with Washington, you got John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Madison and Monroe were fantastic. John Quincy Adams, great story. Andrew Jackson, the first populist president. Um, and then it starts to get to struggle. You got Van Buren, William Harrison, John Tyler, James Polk, Zachary Taylor, and Millard Fillmore uh, before bringing you to Franklin Pierce. So that that's a terrible run. Cap it off at the end with James Buchanan before you get to a a president you know worth reading a biography of, and that's Abraham Lincoln. Um, so you you've got a run of of six really unremarkable presidencies there. That's what I feel like Disney went through, um, starting with Pocahontas in I believe ninety four ninety five. I have to get through them someday, so I'm I'm glad we took the time to do this. Uh, I'm glad you guys got the chance to to share a movie that you guys love with me. Um, you know, we're here. It, uh, I don't want to take the week back. Um, I don't wish I never saw the movie. It was just, it was, eh, you know, it was no short circuit. It was more like batteries not included. Um, short circuit, one of the greatest children's movies of the eighties, batteries not included, trying to kind of steal that robot coolness, uh, just fell flat. That that's where I think we are with Hercules. Not, not the greatest. Glad I watched it. Glad it's over with. Uh, probably not a movie I'll ever watch again. My final rating, um, you know, would probably have to be a five. Right there in the middle. Not great. Not bad. Just eh. You know, to, to me on my scale, five is, you know, straight average. Average movie. Nothing bad. Nothing good. Nothing extraordinary. Um, I'm going to give it a five, not a, uh, not a two, like some of our reviewers do. <laughs> um, just, just a, a plain old five. That's a very respectable rating, Michael. I love this movie. Maybe not as much as Nick, but I love this movie. Um, very few things I didn't like about this movie and a lot of things I did, um, and you know things I talked about, like the uh, the emotional roller coaster this movie takes you on, what you can take away from this film, you know Hercules, his story, his journey, um, how great James Woods, how great Hades is, and you know you have Danny DeVito in there who I think uh, was also great, um, Mag was was great as well. I was thinking eight and a half, I went up to a nine. And I know that might, um, I don't know. I feel like that might um, take people back and they'd be like, whoa, like that's really high. But um, given, you know, there wasn't much I didn't like and given um, what you're able to take away from this movie, you know, with whatever you might be going through in life, with wherever you may be at, um, I think they're very uh, impactful and and powerful messages, um, you know, messages that I don't think I'm ever going to forget. So 
For me, Hercules 9. Now, as I've done a few times, is there any differential, Justin, in, in how much you enjoyed the movie versus how good a movie you thought it was? Is this a 9 enjoyment? Maybe a little lower on the this is how good the movie is scale, or is it just a straight nine? Um, my uh, my enjoyment uh, definitely weighs into uh, my rating. I'd say um, just looking at it uh, as as a movie, and not, and and you know taking away the emotional kind of aspect, I'd I'd say you know six and a half seven. Um, but given um. How much I love it, and given how you know the reminder of how much I love it uh, with watching it with Nick yesterday, I got it at a nine. Very nice, right. Very nice, Michael. I, I will say I was um, pleasantly surprised with your your five, your Cinco rating. I thought it was going to be way worse, uh, especially why when do, I was. Why do you? Why do you care what I rate it? Oh no, I'm I'm just I was just curious because <laughs> because when I got the message, you know, I'm sitting there. You know, on the weekend, you know, enjoying my time outside, and all of a sudden my phone's buzzing a little bit. I'm like, oh, you know, I got a couple text messages. People are hitting me up, and I'm like, oh, I got a Facebook message. I'm like, oh, what? Michael's like, oh, oh no, he stopped watching it. I was like, oh, <laughs> well, well, I this I could did that be for bad. a reason. <laughs> I, I did that for a reason. Um, you know, I, I while I'm at work, occasionally I'll put something on just to listen to it. Um, you know, I often go into work late at night. There's nobody else there. There's no white noise going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like listening to music when I'm working because I tend to start singing along and then I can't focus on what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but I'm very good at focusing with something on in, in the background. Yeah. Um, you know, something that's not musical and that I haven't memorized. So I don't watch Tombstone. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, so I, I put it on. Um, half an hour into the movie, I thought it was terrible, terrible. The songs, uh, whatever songs there were in the first 30 to 40 minutes of the movie were atrociously bad. So I made the decision, you know what? I'm going to have to watch this with my six-year-old. Maybe his enjoyment and enthusiasm will pour over to me a little bit. Um, started it over. From scratch, Saturday night, sat down, watched it on a ten foot screen, um, and and then you know it was it wasn't the worst. It's not a, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. I just, you know, it was like I said, forgettable. It was just a forgettable movie. I watched it once. I'm gonna move on with my life. Um, but you know, I am glad I stopped watching it when I did and and started over with my son. So that gave me a, a fresh perspective and. Came away from it, you know, this is a, it's an average movie. You know, the animation is really good in parts. I, I was actually surprised. I was not expecting the animation to be as good as it was in some parts of it for kind of a, you know, almost a second class Disney movie. But glad I started it over and, you know, it average. Is it, you know, two, just two things off that, you know, one... Um, when you said you stopped watching it, I was like, man, I didn't stop watching Silence of the Lambs and I gave it a two. So I can only imagine this is going to be a much worse rating than a two. Um, no, I, I stopped watching it for strategic reasons. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but the second thing, um, you know, when Justin and I are watching it together and it gets to the Hydra scene and you see that 
3D animation thrown into 2D, and Justin's like, that doesn't look like it belongs. And, you know, for the time, like, that was something big that the technology was able to put that in there. And for what it it's worth, 97, like, that was very creative. Like, that was next-level stuff of what was going on. And, you know, I believe earlier you had Toy Story that had come out. Um, and so the 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 evolution that was taking place during this animation phase of what was going on to go into, you know, Monster Zinc and, you know, even, you know, much farther down the road when you listen to some of the people talk about what they had to do for the one character in Monster Zinc, Sully, and how they had to do each individual hair and see how hair reacted to different things. And it's like, hey, like, some of that started back with some of these movies and these little things that they were trying, these little things that they were doing. Um, and it's it's really it's really incredible to go back and see the strides that the film industry has made, uh, especially like big companies that have worked, you know, on films like Disney, you know, and Pixar and, and what they were able to uh, accomplish. Um, Justin, quick, quick thought, though, just looking at that scene uh, individually with the Hydra. I mean, what, what were just your initial like reaction when you were like, I know what you said out loud, but just in your head, like, what did you take away from it? You know, and how do you view it now? Um, I understand, um, why it was presented like that. Um, but you know, it's, it's, um, it, it was very weird to me. And I understand, you know, movies made in 97 animation, um, you know, has, you know, has come a long way uh, to 2019, but did it just, you know, it was, it was just out of place for me. I don't know, but and then again, given um, the Hydra's movement and it's spawning you know, all these heads after Hercules, um, you know, you know, cut its head off. Like, I think it's tough to do that, like two dimensionally. Mm-hmm. All right, so my overall uh, rating and final thoughts of the film Hercules. I can't remember when the first time I watched it. It might have been. Uh, when I was in preschool and probably back then I wasn't paying attention cause I had like six or seven friends that I was just running around making a mess with, uh, but going back and watching it, and this is actually the second time that I've watched Hercules within the past month. And I really, really enjoy this film. And I think I, I even like it more now than when I had maybe watched it a few years ago. I think it's one of Disney's best. You know, it's, as I mentioned before, it's a film for all ages. And there's a lot of things that you can get out of it as a kid and a lot more things you can get out of it uh, when you're an adult. We mentioned the Karate Kid scene, the Big Olive in reference to the Big Apple, the guy selling the sundials, which is a reference to all the fake stuff that people try to sell to you in New York, the jerk that almost runs over Phil when he's trying to walk into the road, the zero to hero thing, trying to, you know, get people uh, to see you and give you a chance. You know, there's just so much content there um, with everything that's going on. Uh, you're right, Justin. There are little things that I would want it to be uh, better in. And I think length is definitely the one thing there. But overall, I give this film a nine and a half out of ten. It does not get that extra point five. Um, I will say that I'm glad that some of the greats like Roger Ebert do see this film uh, up there. You know, gave it a three and a half out of four. But overall, you know, I think 
when it comes down to Disney films and you look back at some of these, you know, storylines and Michael, you'd mentioned, you know, the, the, the range of films that you hadn't seen, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting for the time that you were, uh, at that age, you know, for those films being around, I don't know, maybe your perception would be different. Um, and maybe that kind of, uh, you know, changes your opinion of it. Just like, you know, my biased opinion of it is that's what I grew up with. That's what I like, but I don't know if I would have rated it as high if I hadn't really sat down and really analyzed and looked at all the things, uh, that I liked about the film. Um, and you asked a question earlier about what, you know, the ratings go into it. You know, are we looking at this objectively? Are we looking at this, you know, with the light, you know, I put, what I like into the film rating as well. You know, it's my rating. I'm not a, I'm not going to sit there and say that I'm a film critic, that I'm sitting there going unbiased into every single film, you know, going forward. You know, I know we're never going to review this film, but if you ask me what I give Infinity War, I'm giving it a 10 every given day of the week. And some people might sit there and say, well, yeah, it was, it was like an eight. And be like, no, it's a 10 for me. And um, how can you give it, how can you give that a 10? Infinity when, War? When it's not as good as Thor Ragnarok. No, Infinity War is a 10. <laughs> Ragnarok's a, Ragnarok's a 10 Infinity War's a 10 um, but some people might might not think so um, and I don't I don't think so okay well I, there you I go there's, in, there's one I person right there that sits there and says that Infinity War is not a Damn, 10 we're wrong again vastly um, overrated vastly overrated but I I think that not even not even top 5 okay we'll have to do another <laughs> podcast for maybe that that little portion one day um, be sure to check on all of our lists of things that we say we're going to talk about and we never do in terms of people who should be in prison, Marvel movies, and future topics. But back to the rating of Hercules, uh, 9.5. 9.5 out of 10. I'm interested to see if we even watch a movie uh, for this podcast that I give it 10. This was close, but the you know the little thing of not being enough in length um, and just maybe just nitpicking on some of the stuff I would say not worthy uh, of a 10 in comparison to what I have in my mind as other 10s. You know, I, I, I will say, <clears throat> and I want to kind of ask you guys before we wrap this up, when you guys are watching these films, when you're done and you're looking at them objectively and you're comparing it and you're giving it its own individual rating and score, do you have a litmus test do you have a range to where you say this is what i believe a 10 is or this is what i believe a one is and that's where i kind of go off my rating um i try not to have a movie in place that's average or pretty good that i compare every film i watch to it i try to just um you know, look at every movie um, as its own independent film and, you know, factor in, you know, scenes, performances, you know, pretty much everything that we talk about, along with um, how much I liked it or, or how funny it was. So, um, you know, even though I do go back and look at what I've uh, rated uh, the previous films we've watched, I don't use them as um a guide like oh like i gave true romance an eight and i think hercules is better so i'm going to give it an eight and a half or a nine um you know i don't 
I don't do that. It's just, you know, it's a combination of, uh, for me of, you know, you know, how the movie was and my personal, you know, perception, like what I like, what I didn't like and you know, things like that. For me, there are very few movies that will get a 10 after I've watched them once. You know, a big part of movies for me is my desire to rewatch them. So the, the 10s that I have in my world are generally movies that I've seen at least a dozen times. Um, you know, movies like Tombstone. Okay. Uh, Snatch. Um, Boondock Saints. Brotherhood of the Wolf. I mean, these are movies I've seen dozens of times. I'll go back and watch them over and over again. V for Vendetta is up Toy there. Story. I've, I've seen Toy Story once. I will not watch it again. Oh. Um, not, a, not a great movie to me. They're, so for, for me, part of that rating is you know, re-watching. There are some exceptions where I think it's, a, it's an absolutely phenomenally great movie. And I never mm-hmm. want to see it again. The, the most recent example of that was The Revenant with uh, Leo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic movie. And I own it. I saw it in the theaters and I bought it on Blu-ray. Um, but, I, but I bought it on Blu-ray knowing I will probably never watch it again. Um, and, and when I walked out of the movie theater, I was with two friends of mine and, and we all thought it was phenomenal. I said, but that is a movie that I will probably never watch again. Um, you know, there are a lot of movies I, I love. Um, Gladiator would be up there. A, it, probably not a 10, but up there among my favorite movies. Um, mm. You know, I don't know that there's more than six or seven movies I'd give a 10 to. Uh, you know, they're, they're, if I go sit and walk through my movie collection, there might be some others. Um, but there, there aren't going to be that many. So for me, part of, part of what shapes my rating of the movies is you know what if i if it's a movie that like digstown you know digstown is never going to be a 10 in my book because it's a movie that i didn't watch for 12 years um you know if i don't watch something for for 10 years it, it unless i purposefully don't watch it like the revenant where i'm just not going to it's just not going to get high up on that scale for me it's it's going to be movies that these are the movies I go back to, you know, if I'm sitting at home one day and organizing something or, you know, cleaning up the basement, it's like, all right, what am I going to put on? I'm not going to put on a new movie. I'm going to put on a movie that I'm comfortable with that I don't have to watch because I can see it in my head because it's because mm-hmm. it's memorized. For me, um, a movie like Tombstone or Boondock Saints, that, that's why they're some of my favorite movies. Um, an, a big one recently that will probably get up to nine or 10 territory is, um, um, this means war came out in 2012. It's, it's Chris Pine or Captain Kirk in the new Star Trek movies. It's Tom oh, Hardy. That's when they, they fight over the girl, right? Right. Phenomenal. They're both, they're, they're brother, they're adopted brothers. They're both FBI agents. And they fight over, they both fall in love with Reese Witherspoon. And I've, mm-hmm. I've, I just watched it for the first time, maybe a year ago, and I've seen it five or six times since then. And it's something mm-hmm. I recommend to other people all the time. I'm like, oh, you like movies and you have two hours free? Watch This Means War. Um, you know, that's one of the most recent ones. But that, my measuring stick is, am I going to go back 
and watch it again and again and again. Um, and if not, you know, you're probably going to be stuck in that six, seven, eight range, seven and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a movie like Silence of the Lambs, that's a movie I, I will go back and watch periodically. It's not, I haven't seen it dozens of times, but I've seen it five or six. Um, you know, those are Alien is another one out there. It's a, you know, Alien, once you know the ending, it's not, it's a suspense movie. You know, it's a horror, suspense, survivor type movie. I don't mind that I know what's happening at the end because I enjoy it so much. I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I like the craft of the movie. I like the performances of the movie. Another fairly recent one is the new Mad Max movie, Fury Road. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. That's a movie I will probably see 20 times in the next three or four years. So that that's kind of my measuring stick for, for ratings. Okay. Very, very interesting uh, discussion right there to close out the podcast. So to wrap it up, Michael gave it a five, Justin gave it a nine, and I gave it a 9.5 for Hercules. Uh, As always, we want you guys to subscribe, give us five stars, tell us of how great of a job we're doing or not so great of a job we're doing. Uh, Leave a comment what you guys want us to maybe review for future episodes. Follow us on Twitter, at 90Rewind. That's at 90Rewind. Head on over to Anchor. That is really where we're going to be producing and hosting most of our stuff. But again, if you can't get there, Apple Podcast, Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher are other venues that you can use to access our content, Michael. Next week's film is back in your control. What are we doing? Next week, we are going to watch a movie that I have not seen nearly as much as I should have. Uh, watched this movie for the first time when I was maybe 13 years old, um, just as I was really gaining an interest in computers. Uh, the name of the movie is Sneakers, and it is about a team of security specialists who are hired to, uh, they're hired by the government to try and hunt down a, a specific person who they think is developing some nefarious code. Um, there's an all-star cast here. And when I say all-star, I mean all-time all-star cast. Uh, in the lead, we have Robert Redford. We have Sidney Poitier, David Strathairn, Dan Aykroyd of Ghostbusters fame, River Phoenix, uh, once very, very up and coming. Uh, People thought this guy was going to be a superstar before he died of a drug overdose in the early 90s. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix's younger brother, in fact. I'm sorry, older brother. Uh, Mary McDonald's in this, Ben Kingsley. There's just a a lot on the bone in this one. It's a good movie. Um, you know, it's probably not up there in, in the 10 territory as we were just talking about, but it's good. I I think you'll enjoy it. Um, there's nothing, uh, it's not scary. So Nick, you, you won't have to watch it with the lights on if you don't want to. Uh, I think, I think you guys will, will get a kick out of this one. I think we'll get solid sevens and eights across the board for this guy. Maybe the first time we all agree on something since true romance. You know, I think we were kind of around the same for Diggstown, if I'm not mistaken. I might have been a little 
you know, a little bit high on my rating of a 9, but I think it was, you guys gave it 8s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, so. My mistake. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, no, no, never mind. I just checked it. No, Justin gave it a, a, a solid yeah. 6. Okay. Yeah, Justin yeah. was a True Romance was maybe the closest we have been where, you're right, Michael, True Romance was the closest because you gave it a nine and a half. Justin and I both gave it eight. Yep. So, all right. So that will do it for us. Like I said, guys, uh, watch the movies uh, as we talk about them um, or stop it, go watch it, come back, listen to what we have to say. The next episode coming up is going to be Sneakers. Michael will be in control for the next film and then the next four until Justin and I get a little bit of control again. I was the one that really pushed for Hercules. So Justin, I will leave it up to you to kind of come up with what we want to do uh, for our next one there. Any final thoughts just before we sign off? Hercules, great film. Go watch it. Cause there's a lot more to it. Um, just, you know, than just the enjoyment, just the film itself. And I am looking forward to Sneakers. Uh, you know, I read up on it earlier today, and, you know, having just listened to Michael, um, very interesting uh, concept, very interesting story, so I am looking forward to it. All right, so that is going to do it for Michael Justin. This has been Nick. You've been listening to 90s DVD Rewind. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your day. That was fun.